What is happening? Welcome back to the show. Episode number 47. We're closing in on 50. And we're closing in on 50 so quickly that I wanted to take a second. I spent some time today looking at the analytics. And I want to give some love to our loyal listener bases. Um, Let's start with the top countries. Obviously, United States at the top, Canada, United Kingdom, love both of you guys as well. But I want to give some shout outs to some of the top countries who have been picking up steam. Germany, Sweden, Australia, France, love you guys. I'm really excited about UAE, United Arab Emirates. You guys have been moving up the ranks in the top countries for the last couple of months. Spain and China, not far behind. Thailand, Love that. Ireland, love that as well. Denmark, Japan, Mexico, Netherlands, Russia falling right under there. Then we've got Singapore, Norway. What's up to Cuba as well? Top 20 countries right there. Love all of you guys. Every single one of you. Um, your word of mouth, that is how this movement grows. Please reach out. Continue to represent your city for the Creating Space tribe. Let's build this thing. Let's keep this momentum growing. I want to get a little more specific. Let's go to a couple of the top cities. River Falls up in Michigan. Lots and lots of love in River Falls. Shout out to you guys. Charlotte, what's happening, Queen City? Ashburn. Atlanta, Toronto, Calgary, got some some Canada love there. New York, San Francisco, Vancouver. I love you guys. Shout out Vancouver. Greenville, my hometown. Hometown love in Dallas, Edmonton, London. What's up, London? Um, I hope you guys are doing well over there. I love that city. Miami, Chicago, Gastonia, not too far outside of Charlotte. Boston, Mount Pleasant, where I used to live when I went to the College of Charleston, and then Cornelius up there by the lake in Lake Norman. Just the top 20 cities there. This Creating Space movement is growing exponentially. The the download numbers each month are consistently on a spike. I want to give a quick thank you to every single one of you who are militant in sharing this message and um, passing it on to your friends and really being uh, just missionaries of the movement and pushing it in the most positive light possible. I love that. I'm so appreciative of that. And I wanted to make sure that I showed you um, how appreciative I am. But today, today's episode is awesome. This guy, Kevin Rimple, what a story. Okay. You're going to really love this guy's story because his heart, his soul, his determination, unparalleled. And this is a story of pure tragedy to pure triumph. And it's one that I really love because Kevin Rimple went out of his way to send me a book in the mail. He was an avid listener of the show up in Toronto. He sent his book called Still Standing, which you can find on Amazon. And inside of that book, he wrote a letter. And his letter was an explanation of why he loves the show, why he's in support of me and the movement. And after reading this really quick read... I said, there's no way in hell that Kevin Rimple is not going to be the first guest on the show with a disability. He just has too incredible of a story overcoming the things he has overcome. I'm sure, I'm 100% sure that some of the things that Kevin Rimple 
has overcome would send most of us spiraling into an extremely dark place and maybe making decisions that would not benefit our future. He's strong, strong strong-willed, strong-minded. He never gives up. And I want you to enjoy this story as we join Kevin Rimple on his story of tragedy to triumph. Hey guys, what is happening? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Wes Knight, and this is the Creating Space Podcast. You know, I get juiced when there are guests that come onto my show because I love what I do, but I get even more juiced when I have Olympians that grace my presence. On the other side of this mic is a former freestyle motocross rider who turned into a 2014 Paralympic bronze medalist at Sochi in Russia, a 2013 world champion, and the founder of the Sledge Hockey Experience. That 2014 Paralympic bronze medalist on the other side, that's Kevin Rimple. Kevin, my man, (laughs) what is happening, my brother? Yo, what's up, Wes? You know what? There's one thing that I want to make sure I mention that stands alone. You are an author and a keynote speaker, and you sent me a book, your book, talking about how much you love the podcast. You sent me um, a signed picture of, of yourself and all of your accomplishments, and you wrote me a great letter that told me about how much the podcast meant to you. And when I went into your book and discovered your story, I said, I got to get Kevin on this show. It's an incredible story, man. I'm pumped. I'm juiced to have you on the show, buddy. How you doing? Very, very good, dude. It's like the last eight months of my life has been pretty insane with uh, opportunity, but just, you know, one of the biggest reasons why I reached out to you is because you're just living in your, in your passion, you know, you're doing your thing and I can, I, I believe in that so much for everybody else that they need to find their thing. And so you got me amped and I'm just pumped to be here, dude. I love it, man. It's a good exchange of energy already. I'm excited to kind of dive into your story. Um, first thing I want to say is, man, what, like, what are you juiced about today? What do you have going on in your life that you're really excited about? Uh, I got a question for you right off the bat. Do you know the five minute journal? Uh, I have heard of the five minute journal actually by your, uh, Instagram stories. I've seen that, but I do not own it. I do not have it. Okay. So in short, the five minute journal is, uh, three exercises in the morning and two at night to mainly focus on gratitude. And so when you ask me the question about what I'm juiced about, what's interesting is I continue to fill up this five minute journal on a more regular basis. The things that I'm grateful for, like opportunity, health, being alive, another day on earth, like those are the things that I'm excited about today. And so every day I wake up, I'm just grateful if I get another shot to make it great in this life and keep building this sledge hockey experience. You get the opportunity to keep going, man. You just keep going. And your story is so interesting because let's start where it all started. The, the journey for you really started to begin when you were hunting with your old man. Um, tell the Creating Space Tribe a little bit about that story on that day. Yeah, it's a gnarly roller coaster ride. You know, um, this is kind of like, call it my elevator speech, but I don't like it like that. It's just, I don't know how to tell my story in other ways. So I'm a Paralympian in sledge hockey, which is the Paralympic version of hockey where you play sitting down. And I play with guys of other disabilities, mainly like amputees, cerebral palsy, and spina bifida. And I have a spinal cord injury. So I had a spinal cord injury from Friday freestyle motocross. 
was paralyzed after uh, my second jump show ever. Um, crashed like midair. I wasn't focused. I was too worried about the crowd forming around me and ended up bailing off the bike midair, breaking my back, becoming an incomplete paraplegic and breaking and on the spot. I was told by doctors I'm never going to walk again. Wow. Luckily, I didn't sever my spinal cord. I fractured and dislocated it. So after surgery, realigning it, uh, that gave me the chance to get better. And I say with a little bit of luck and a lot of hard work, I was back on my feet, walking and even riding again. Wow. Now the kicker that you're asking about, like my dad, what people couldn't imagine is that my dad was also paralyzed four years before I was. So he and I were out deer hunting, building a tree stand when one of the branches he was standing on broke. And my dad fell two stories straight to the ground, broke his back and became a complete paraplegic one year from retirement. Wow. So mom had both father and son in wheelchairs in the same house at the same time within four years of each other. And we're in a small town too. So everybody knew about it. And where I had, like I said, a little bit of luck, a lot of hard work. I was fortunate enough to get better. Uh, But my dad became very depressed. He developed a serious gambling addiction and gambled away his entire pension check every month till mom finally convinced him to put a limit on it, which was half. And then he spent half because that was all he could spend. And so during my one year recovery, my mom ended up leaving my dad from the depression or sorry, from the gambling side. And my sister and I and my grandmother supported that. And, And dad, we'll get into this later, I'm sure in the interview, but my dad basically chose the victim role. And so uh, my mom left my dad and then seven weeks later he committed suicide. Wow. Wow. I am extremely um, sorry to hear that. I, Kevin, I'm sure you know, you follow the creating space story. I've been to that spot. I know what that feels like. um, And I am truly sorry to hear that, but I can't even imagine what your father was going through in that moment to have so much taken away from him. And you, you witnessed both your father having that moment and you having that moment. Talk to us a little bit about that moment, what that moment is like. Yeah. So, you know, dad falling from the tree taught me like, those are incredible lessons that are continuing to drive me today. Uh, Things like, you've only got one life to live. Like my dad waited for retirement. And then, you know, since he didn't get to enjoy it, he felt like he was robbed. He said, it wasn't my fault. The branch shouldn't have broke. It's life's not fair. And life's not fair. And that's the reality of is that shit happens. And so seeing my dad wait to live his life taught me not to wait to live my life. Ooh, powerful, Kevin. Powerful. What what does that mean to you? What happened in that moment when you realized I'm not going to do this? So that's when I started the freestyle motocross journey harder, meaning not just for fun. Like I knew that I w- I knew that I wanted to at least give it a shot at being a pro rider. I knew that making the X Games like my dream was arguably far out of reach, but I knew that I wanted to at least try. And so. After dad's injuries, when I started my dirt bike company and traveled to BC, got with some great riders. And when I came home, I said, I want to, I want to perform. Nobody would hire me. I said, screw it. I'll start my own company. Uh, that was January of 2006. I walked off the job site cause I 
was around guys on the job site. They were saying, well, when I was your age, you could have been pro athlete. When I was your age, I could have started my own company. When I was your age, you could have traveled the world. I'm like, what happened, dude? And they're like, <laughs> oh, I got a girlfriend. Oh, I've got in, you know, too busy party. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Like, you, why would you waste that? If you could have been a pro athlete, why would you not go be a pro athlete? Right. So anyway, so that, so I quit my job and I was like, I'm not going to be one of these guys saying, I wish I would have, I could have, I should have started the company and then performed my first show on Canada day. And then two weeks later, broke my back. Ooh, there's a lot of passion <laughs> fueled inside of you, man. And, and for the creating space tribe, I can, I can imagine you're sitting there ready for this story. It's a juicy one. There's so much passion that Kevin holds. Let's, let's kick it off with this. You are two weeks in, you've just hit the ground off this jump that you said you were not focused on. Walk us through that moment, what that was like, Kevin, for you. Basically, you know, uh, it parallels a lot with students, I think, especially like when you're younger, peer pressure. I was trying to show, show up the other riders there. I wasn't, I didn't even want to be there in the first place, but I had too much of an ego to back out on it because I said I was going to do it. I saw the crowd forming and so I was I didn't do my proper warm-up and I just I'm like I gotta just do this I gotta be ballsy I just gotta hit the ramp and so that's why I wasn't focused uh split second in the air decision was stay on the bike head dive break my neck jump off free fall break my legs better case scenario <laughs> sure sure and anyway crash tumble rolled hit the ground excruciating pain can't um, I just got the air, the air was knocked out of my lungs. Paramedics were over my head immediately. Finally get the air back. My buddy, Chris, who was filming, he caught the whole crash on film. Cause that's what we were doing. Just capturing riding comes over. He throws his hand down to me and he's like, yo Rems. He's like, I got you, man. I love you. And not another word. I just look at Chris in the eyes, um, like on the ground, staring at him up in this, like above me. And I said, Chris, you better be filming this. No way. That's the first words you said. The first words I said, dude. Wow. And he, and he, he's test, he's said that before on can't like testify on that too. He's like, I'll never forget it. And, and so then people ask me questions like, well, what were you thinking when you're laying on the ground? Like what went through your head? And the first is all fucking paralyzed. Wow. Wow. <laughs> but the second thought, sorry, second thought was then dad told you so, cause he told me not to do this and that could happen. But beyond that, like, like the clincher that I would want, your audience and my audience to hear is that I knew I wanted to be the hero of my own movie. And so when, as riders, you accept, you assume the responsibility when you throw your leg over a bike that you can get injured the same way you, if you like, I, I became a landlord, I assume the responsibility. I can end up with bad tenants become an entrepreneur. I assume the responsibility that I could end up broke. Like I know that. And so when I got hurt, I said, you know what, this is just another step, another obstacle along the way of me creating a story that I want to live. Holy smokes, Kevin, that's really powerful. And you're not afraid to assume risk. And that's why I like you, buddy, because I, I don't know if that's cut from the same cloth in the sense that we're athletes and we, we like to push ourselves to the limit, but being the hero of your own story is an extremely important adage in my life. And I love that it is in yours. Tell me this, Kevin, what, do you know to be true about the risk that you took and what adversity has taught you? Uh, it's made me stronger. 
<laughs> it's right. made me stronger for sure. You know, like I, I have the resilience built into me today to do the things I'm doing because of those obstacles I faced earlier in my life. Sure. That was obviously a catalyzing moment. Your life would never be the same again. So tell me a little bit about the couple of things that have changed forever in you from that moment. It, I, you know, it's so cliche, but this is literally what stands out in my mind. And I tell people all the time is like, is that achieving your dreams is possible. You know, what I learned from so many of these experiences along the way is, you know, I'm laying in the hospital bed you know, like less than 10 days after my injury and I cannot feel or move my legs. However, I'm smiling because I knew that I lived my life on my terms. And even though I only accomplished my dream for arguably one weekend, like the Canada day, two days before my crash, I did it. And so inside internally, I felt like I could die happy. And to me, that was that's the risk that's your that you need to be willing to take not that i don't want to put anybody in position that they're going to get hurt like that but what i what i'm telling you is that when you get to a place where you are okay with the consequences because you know that you're following your path and you're living life on your terms and then when you actually do achieve it that you become very peaceful mm. and you don't worry about that other stuff about what people say might happen or your fears and obviously the monetary side is just that I felt like I could die happy. And so once I proved that to myself once, I said, if I, it's a cliche, but it's like, if I did it once, I can do it again. So then that became make team Canada. Then that became be a landlord. Now it became an, then it became be an author. Then it, now it's like being an entrepreneur, creating the sludge hockey experience. And now I'm trying to do something that's creating a global impact on the Paralympic movement and the sport of sledge hockey so you're starting small and you're scaling the shit out of your vision Kevin. <laughs> it's so impressive man and i love it because i'm i want to do the same thing and, and in my own goals and journeys you know and chasing football or, or soccer the, the height of that the mls was the goal it was the macro vision got there loved it but got to a spot where i could not uh, find happiness and i had to reorganize reframe restructure reprogram my mind to chase the next thing. And it took me two years to find out what that was. And it was an arduous, long journey, man. But I learned so much about myself, which I'm sure you have. Tell me how people, and, and I ask this question because now that I'm walking in my divine path, Kevin, people look at me differently. People react to me differently. My energy is far different from the energy that it used to be where I was sad and depressed and lost. But now I'm vibrating at such a different level of vibration. So talk to me a little bit about the difference between the way people reacted to you after your injury, you know, maybe when you're wheelchair bound or you're going through that struggle or you're fighting both physical and mental journey, and then the way they react to you now where you're fueled by so much of this juice, so much of this passion that it's unmistakable where you're headed, you know? Yeah. I, you know, um, the thing that comes to mind, I find with you and, and where I am at now is, is you become radiant and you become magnetic. And when you, when you are living in your purpose and your passion, people are drawn to that because they want to be doing the same thing and they feel your energy. And so they want to be near you. And that's where, how you become magnetic. And the second thing that comes to mind is just that you're always in control more than, you know, because we feel like we're out of control. We don't, 
you know, depression, you know, getting to a bad place, like you feel like you're hopeless. But, you know, I can remember after my injury, I had a lot of great stuff happening because I just knew that I wanted to be that comeback story. I was really pumped. Like I actually had a really, really good time in rehab. You know, it was arguably one of the worst times of my life, but I had so much fun because I was like, I had a old eight millimeter camcorder and I was recording myself doing wheelies and taking my first steps. And that ended up in a documentary. Um, I made a lot of great friends and I was very optimistic, but then also the times in my life where I was very depressed, like you say, I mean, I spent a pretty darn near close to two years after the Olympics. Um, it wasn't all dark, but I hit a, like I hit the suicidal point. I was just, I wrote about that in the book and like, I definitely hit the lowest of low mental points in my life. And so how I was treated differently is just that, um, you create your own reality. And I know when I've had the belief in myself and been taking the proper actions, that's when I create that radiant energy and people are drawn towards me. And where I fell off my own path for wrong reasons, like just getting distracted or bad habits, then that stuff starts to fade away from you. And so I'd want all of our listeners to always know that you have the ability to create that reality that you want. And it starts with your thoughts. Absolutely. You got to turn it back into the environment that you create inside your mind, right? Whatever um, dialogue you're having inside of there, that is the horse to your carriage. Your life is a carriage. Your thoughts are the horse and your carriage is going to follow wherever your horse is driving it. And, And I'm so excited that you're a mindset junkie, just like myself. Um, Let's talk about the the accident. If you could go back and you could erase it, you could have landed that jump and your life had gone in a different direction, do you think you'd change? Hell no. Really? Not even a question. Like, I mean, dude, you know, you, if you ever writ, wrote that script out or ended that script on that day, people would be like, hell no. Like, I would never even consider going to that point. But, I mean, that's that's the story. That's why we're here. That's why people are going to buy into you, believe into you. And what you're doing is because like why I bought into you. And cause I'm like, you spoke openly about your challenges on the Vancouver bridge, what it was like. And I'm like, this dude's real. And what he's doing is helping other people and he's not trying to fake it. And I can attach to that. Right. Like that's what makes me be, want to be a part of your show. Why I'm preaching you to other people. And that's why I believe other people are now, wanting to help me out. And, and so, yeah, I don't know. I forget the question. I just got so pumped on I that. Love, but like, <laughs> I love it. I, I, let's keep going with that because when you are radiant, when you are magnetic, which Kevin, you are, man, tell me about the keys to learning about that energy, harboring that energy and using that energy for the right reasons, right? Tell me a little bit about your processing how you manage your energy and the magic that you possess inside. Take small baby steps and build momentum are the first two things. You know, people ask, how did I ever learn how to walk again? It was six weeks with nothing. Like my doc, my, my therapist would say, um, just try. That's another key. Just try. I said, how am I going to walk again? He was, Oh, just try. He's like every night, spend 10 minutes in bed in, in the evening and 10 minutes in the morning, just trying to wiggle your toe and, and send the brain impulse down there. Even if you're not getting a result, right? Because you have to give yourself a chance and hope, and then make that connection. And then one day you can may and will get the result you want. So it was six weeks until I wiggled my first toe. I got up and I only got a flicker. 
But then it was a week later, I got another toe. And it's like, well, if I get one toe, I can get another toe. Then I get three toes and I got three toes and an ankle. So that's the baby steps, right? And that's the process you need to take for all of these goals we're trying to reach in life. As you're making progress, focus on keeping and building momentum along the way because you don't want to lose the traction that you've gained. And then when you get to that point, I mean, we're going to, we're skipping around a couple different things here, but once you've taken the small steps, as you're building momentum and you start to see the impact that you're having on other people, what I've learned, which I think is where you wanted to go with this question, is that when you start to make what you are, who you are and what you are doing about other people, that's when life really starts to take off. You know, some of the greatest um, thought leaders in our time have always talked about, especially a guy, Aristotle. Not sure if you've ever heard about this guy, but uh, he's got a bit of a history. One of the greatest things he talked about was releasing the I and pushing it to they, right? So making sure that you understand that the happiness that you assume comes from uh, the amount of priority you are consumed by other people's happiness. So in order to feel happiness, you must give happiness. So I think a lot of people go internally and they try to be happier. They try to feel more love by focusing on why am I not feeling loved? Why do I not feel loved? I've got to shift it internally when actually it's an action verb first before you feel it. So you've got to give love in order to feel love. How do you give love on a day-to-day basis? Is it through your, your company? Is it through the, the way, you know, your keynote speaking? What is your process for that? Yeah, for sure. Well, through my words, I think is the best way I could describe it. And probably like social media is the, the, the way I'm trying to reach the most people. I mean, that's a kind of a no brainer, but, uh, you know, like just videos on mental health or, or posts I make on the sport of sledge hockey, sharing other players and people's stories. That's the way that I really enjoy giving back. And the, the time and the money that I'm investing into the sledge hockey experience. Uh, there's not a direct return on it right now, but I like what we were talking about maybe getting the Gary V is like, like he's taught me so much about playing the long-term game. So the things that I'm doing today, I'm thinking, well, what kind of impact can I make in the sport that can generate change and results in like five years from now for the 2022 Olympics and beyond? Gary V. Man, do I love that guy. He speaks to my soul on so many different occasions, just going straight to the point and telling it, like you mentioned before, just being so real. What is it that you are focusing on in your circle of influence right now for your long-term game? What is what does the next five years or 10 years look like for Kevin Rimple? Well, uh, just to give you an idea, like, the goal that I've created with the sledge hockey experience is number one, I want to focus on getting the able body population to experience Paralympic sport and what life is like with a disability. And through that, learn about disabilities, diversity and inclusion. And I've built my program on purpose designed for a higher end client, like senior executives and managers, or maybe client appreciation for a high net worth client because I want to be able to reach the people that have the money, the power, and the influence that could sponsor an athlete or a team or a tournament down the road to reach a greater population and create more awareness than what we used to do was always try and grab the next guy in a wheelchair. And where right. I, we used to 
we used to try and work on grabbing like one person at a time. I want to find a way to reach the masses through an effective way and a tool that they actually need is like a new and unique experience rather than going scavenger hunting or the escape maze or just going out and getting drunk at a, at a, a sports game, which is cool, but they often, often want something new. So that's what the sludge hockey experience is about is about reaching more people that have the ability to make decisions that could influence players and the sport as a whole in the future. So you're bridging the gap between able-bodied individuals and quadriplegic or paraplegic experiences. Why is it that you think that society, there's such a, a gap between those who are paraplegics or quadriplegics and able bodies? Why do you think that able-bodied people react so much differently to those with disabilities? It's just, a, and from my opinion, perspective and opinion, it's just a lack of awareness. Sure. It goes back again, why we're doing what we're doing, why I think the, you know, people that if you are living with a disability or an injury, like you have the opportunity now to, to, to speak your voice and to help educate people so much. So, you know, I won't go into specific details, but um, like I have stories where, you know, a kid with autism never, you know, may, may have been an outcast and all of a sudden someone in a company gives him a job because he's so great with numbers and he's a whiz kid. And all of a sudden now he's being invited out to, you know, all the dinner parties because he's killing it in the office. Right. You know, that happens. Or what about the people that, uh, you know, are maybe a paraplegic and they're just dying for a job and they'll be your most loyal employees because they're so grateful for the opportunity and they've got the skills in the head. They're just viewed differently. And people don't, because people don't know, because it's not talked about, it's the same thing as mental health. You know, in Canada, we have Bell Let's Talk Day. And this year, it just passed on like, January 25th, I believe it was. And there's actual conversations, not just on social media, but there's people coming to me more frequently because I do put out content, some content on mental health. And then my own friends are saying, hey, you know, I can't believe it. I had three dudes that never speak up this year all say something to me. And they're like, we're all facing the same shit. That's right, man. I battled for a long time with mental illness. And, you know, Shay Emery, founder of Wellman, uh, former CFL athlete, uh, lives in Vancouver. He speaks out very heavily uh, during the, the Bell Less Talk week. And, and like yourself, there's so many of us athletes and men, period, that need to become more vulnerable with our stories because mental illness strikes everyone at some point. Just no one wants to talk about it. Everyone wants to give off this facade as if it doesn't exist and they're superhuman. But it's time to pull the facade away. It's time to pull the veil away and really get real about mental illness and its struggles. And mental illness can be overcome. But like you said, it goes back down to the basis of thought. What are some tools that you have on a day-to-day -day basis that help trigger your thought and push it in the direction that you know serves you best? Well, one is to remember that we're more alike then we are different. You heard that before? I have, yes. It's great. Yeah. One of the first time I heard that when I was dealing with mental illness, um, that really hit me hard. And, and that's where it's like, as soon as you speak up, someone else will say it. They'll be like, me too. Right. But nobody wants to be the first one to say it. But as right. soon as you do, they're like, me too. Um, as far as tools that I use, you know, massive impactful has been journaling. You know, when you get your thoughts out on paper, you see what they actually are and you realize that they're not, your thoughts are real in the sense that you can create that reality. But if, you know, if you think that you're a loser and you're alone, like I had this example first. So I was suicidal and I was like, 
I just decided to journal my thoughts. And I wrote down, I'm depressed, I'm a loser, alone. And I wrote that down. I went about my day and I had a crappy day. I went back to bed. I wrote the same, wrote the same stuff down again. Okay, I woke up in the morning. Or sorry, wrote down that I had a pretty good day. Wrote down the next morning, same three thoughts. I'm depressed, I'm a loser, alone. I go about my day and it's like, you know, get a call for a speaking request, meet a cute girl and get to hang out with my friends. And I'm like, this was not that bad of a day. And the next day I write down, you know, the morning, my thoughts. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not depressed. I'm not a loser and I'm not alone. I've just proven in fact by my journaling that I've had exceptional days along the way. It just took me actually seeing it on paper to realize that I'm not what I think I am or that if you are what you think you are, you have the ability to change that. So then I started reframing that to the point that, hey, I've got lots of friends I'm excited about today. Can't wait to see what I have in store for me in the next 24 hours. I love it. Abraham Hicks is, uh, her name's actually Esther Hicks, but she channels uh, a being called, that she names Abraham. And what she does, she's been on Oprah, she's worked with Wayne Dyer and um, Eckhart Tolle, some of the better thought leaders in mindfulness um, and positivity. What she does on a, on a, daily, weekly, monthly basis is help you reframe and recharge the words that you use to strengthen the sentence formation. For instance, it would be, I am feeling love and I like feeling loved. Sounds like a powerful sentence, right? That would be something that you would turn into a mantra and tell yourself, right? But Abraham Hicks would say, I'm already feeling lots of love. I'm more powerful in this light, and I want more love to come my way. Boom. Immediately, the energy around that feels more empowering, and it changes the frame of what you've just said, which is already positive, but it has made it more powerful. So those are some techniques that I like to use on a, on a day-to-day basis to really play a game with myself and say, how much more empowering can I change this sentence to make it more fuel for my flame? So I like it, man. I love that you're in the reframing piece. How do you stay positive on a day-to-day basis through all your trials and triumphs as well? Like, Do you have people that you call into your circle to talk to? Do you have mentors that help walk you through some things? What are some keys to your success, Kevin? Yeah, I think further building on this subject, we're talking about the mind. Uh, you're, you must have heard of Jim Rohn before. Of course. Yeah, so every day you must stand guard at the door of your mind. And that resonates with me huge. So, you know, the tools, the things I do to stay positive, motivated, like I said, beyond journaling. And this is something like, you know, I wake up as I'm making my breakfast. Like, I don't watch the news. I don't watch TV. I don't even really watch sports, believe it or not. But that's when I flip on my Gary V. That's when I got my podcast I'm listening to. You know, I got my five-minute journal in the morning and night. I got um, a stack of books that I'm reading. Uh, right now, one of the coolest ones I'm listening to is called uh, Start Something That Matters by the founder of Tom Shoes. Awesome. Um, there's a book called Resilience. Uh, Eric Gretchens is a former Navy SEAL. And uh, the book is about letters between him and this, this guy, Walker. They both fought and served. They came back. They were doing great. His buddy Walker goes off the deep end. Um, marriage breaks up. He becomes an alcoholic. He's in uh, fights, and then he ends up in jail, and he's suicidal. And he calls his buddy Eric. He's like, "What do I do?" And they're paralleling life now. He's like, "You know, when you were at war, you were in battle on the front line of war. Now you're on the front line of battle 
dealing with alcoholism, dealing with your divorce, and you need to use the same tactics you learned over there with mental strength to overcome today's challenges. So like I said, just um, reading, eating healthy, podcasts, exercise is crucial, like just fundamentals, but those are the things I focus on a regular everyday basis to keep myself, my body, and my mind in in a positive and powerful state. Standing at the door of your mind and guarding that, I mean, literally creating space tribe. I have gone for the last two weeks through my Facebook feed and literally unfollowed everything that is noise and heightened everything that fuels me. Gary V, Jim Rohn, um, Lewis Howes, all of the mentors that I have on the digital space are now infecting my feed with all of their positive uh, product that can help fuel me in the right direction. So it's really just aligning your life with things that fuel you with positivity and being the gatekeeper and keeping the negativity out. You know what I'm saying? So Gary V, you can literally tag into him at any point you want. You can find him at at Gary VEE. The guy is just a fuel of positivity. How has he helped you in your life, Kevin? He's an assassin. <laughs> he really is. I love how he just says, I slit people's throats. He really does. Like he's, He says he has no qualms about saying how he feels. And if he hurts your feeling, he says, that's your fault. You know what I mean? That's on you, not on him. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I had for a second here three things. You know, Gary taught me, actually here it is. One, I'm not alone because watching his Daily V, seeing the grind makes me feel like, oh, I'm just – this is what it takes that he makes it so real. Number two, uh, seeing the hard work. I'm like, okay, it does take hard work. There is no secret. And patience. Number three was number three was patience. He's just taught me so much hearing him reaffirm it all the time. And because he documents the journey, I see like, I, you know, have you, you know, the video, the, um, the overnight success of him doing wine library TV, right? a thousand episodes and like just seeing where he started out. And that was like a six year process. It just becomes so real. And, you know, so those are three th- key things that I learned from him. And that's why, you know, I try and do as much as I can with Instagram stories to document it. I'm not where I'm, where I want to be yet with the photo piece and I want to do some video blog stuff, but I just try and do as much as I can and document don't create is what he says. And just, snap a photo like we just did at the beginning of this podcast like hey we're hopping on with west knight right now doing a podcast tonight i'll be at the hockey arena sorting out hockey gear and then at 9 p.m or 11 p.m i'll be doing emails like sometimes it's boring but that's the process of building a business you're exactly right and documenting not creating it you already do so much in your in your in your life that just hit record press the button forget about what everyone else thinks you know i have so many people for uh, so many opportunities will hit me with a DM and think or ask, you know, Wes, how are you so brave on camera? And I'm just, I've, I just tell them, you know, literally it's two words, Kevin, fuck it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm not going to make everyone happy. I'm not going to cater to the markets of everyone's pleasures. But what I am going to do is I'm going to speak my truth and I'm going to live true to myself and just like you said at the beginning of the show, you'll attract and be magnetic to those people who who love what you're about, enjoy what you're doing, and want to be inspired and motivated by you. As we round this thing out, Kevin, your energy is incredible, man. I have literally been following you on Instagram and watching your skill sets grow, watching uh, 
your life and how things are starting to to build. I'm excited for the next five to 10 years to see how you are bridging this gap for able-bodied individuals and para or quadriplegic disabled people and really helping build a community around that. What you're doing is incredible, Kevin. So thank you for that. Cheers, brother. Thank you very much. I'll have to say, um, before we round this show up out, Kevin, if you could say a couple of things uh, to the Creating Space tribe that you feel are the most impactful pieces that you can leave them with, I'll let you run free reign, Kevin, and just kind of give them a little bit of that keynote speaker inside of you, man, and leave them with the essence of Kevin Rimple. I appreciate that. Uh, just going off the top of my head here, like the number one thing, like this title of my book is when you have every reason to give up, keep going. You know, I've had so many reasons to quit from, you know, just when my dad got injured, I wanted to peace out to when I got injured, I could have taken a different route. Uh, when dad took his own life, you know, I wanted to do it then and wanted to do it after the Olympics. And like, I felt the highest highs of being on that Paralympic stage, worldwide stage. Um, you know, I've, I felt the lows and I felt the lows, you know, without money and with money and the money thing doesn't solve it all. And so being where I'm at today has came through tenacity, persistence and resilience. And, and it's not been alone. You know, I really want to give a shout out to the family, my friends, my therapists, you know, the sledge hockey community, all the people that have um, had me come and, and share my story with their audience, whether it's a corporate or a school, uh, and this, like I said, the social media love, like every single person along that way matters. So you can't do it alone, but you have to be the one to take responsibility, choose to not be a victim and start taking those small baby steps and building momentum. And I promise you that it's always going to be worth it. You have to give it a shot and you can do it. If I can do it, it's so, like I said, it's so cliche, but if I can do it, you can do it. Tenacity, persistence, resilience. Kevin, you crushed the interview. You came back. It's all full circle. And those three words, I think, describe you in an essence. If you were to break it down into three words, I think you were to say, Kevin Rimple has tenacity, he's persistent, and a ton of resilience. I believe that's true to who you are. Kevin, I'm so excited, so juiced to, to have brought you on the show. Um, I know the Creating Space tribe has really enjoyed this, man. So thank you so much. Uh, grateful for all you do. And I really am excited to watch you grow, my brother. Thanks so much, Wes. Love you, man. Yeah, that's one hell of a story. And I'm so thankful, so grateful that Kevin Rimple is a good buddy of mine now. We stay in complete contact. I've been watching him build the sled hockey experience literally piece by piece. He is documenting now more than ever on his Instagram page. His story is fantastic. If you want to go follow him over on Instagram, please do that. It's at Kevin Rimple. Really easy to follow. Also, get in contact with Kevin. Let him know how inspired you are by his story, how inspired you are by his undying will, and how inspired you are to hear how he knows and how he's probably taught you that your fear is just a construct and you can break right through every single one of those constructs that you have created for yourself. With that being said, please remember your word of mouth, man, is it so important? Is it so ever important for this podcast? Please keep pushing the message. Please keep uh, sending, hitting the share button and sending it over to a friend who you know could really benefit from this episode. At the same time, if you get a time in your day, 
get over to iTunes. Hit me with a five-star review. If you love this podcast, hit me with a review and let me know in that review which episode you listened to most recently and why it's impacted you. I really want to hear your feedback. I really want to know how much you enjoy and look forward to this podcast coming out on Mondays and Thursdays. And I want to keep doing this for every single one of you guys. So wherever you are in the world, whatever you're doing right now, you keep going. You make the best of every situation you have because in the other side of your fear is the best life of your dreams. Just keep going. Love every single one of you guys. And I'll see you on Monday for Mindset Monday.